What's up, everybody? This is Sharon Shabazz. Head over to therealhiphop.com slash store right now and get yourself a t-shirt. The t-shirts have the logo of therealhiphop.com and they come in three different colors with sizes that range from small to double XL. That's T-H-E-R-E-A-L-H-I-P dash H-O-P dot com slash store. The shirts are shipped domestically and are only $10, so check them out. This is Sharon Shabazz. You're listening to the RealHipHop.com podcast. In this episode, I talk to a cornerstone in Chicago's hip-hop scene, Pugs Adams. Pugs is an MC, a radio personality, a fashion designer, and a graphic artist. Pugs recently released an album with Australian producer Inkswell called The Moon. In this episode... I talked to Pugs Adams about how fatherhood has impacted his business and his art, what it was like working with Australian producer Inkswell, and their new album, The Moon. Explain the title of the new album, The Moon. Okay, well, you know, The Moon is, you know, basically the woman. Just that whole the sun, moon, and stars. So, you know, I being the sun, the woman being the moon, and, you know, my son being the stars. So it's just like that 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 journey in relationships, you know, like when you first meet somebody, you're very cocky, you know, because you're not sure where this lays, if you need to prove yourself and that kind of thing. But over the course of the album, my tone changes. I get a little hype for a minute, but then I end out very smooth. Because now I got the girl and, you know, we're enjoying life. Okay. So how did you end up uh, connecting with Inkswells to do this album? Uh, It was pretty random. I mean, I believe he hit me on Instagram just out the blue and was just like, hey, you know, could you do a couple records for me? You know, I got like, you know, pick like two, three beats and we just, you know, see what happens with there. Because I'm I'm assuming maybe he was working on his own album or something. But the first, you know, few tracks I got, you know, I, I knocked them out, you know, immediately and sent them back. And Invite the Light was like the first track. And at that point, you know, we both were like, yo, we should just like do a whole project and just, you know, see how that goes. And, you know, what's really trippy was me and him have been on the same labels, but never, you know, really talked to each other or, you know, to a point really or abreast of each other. Wow. So, like, when we looked at our histories, we're like, dang, BBE, Tokyo Dawn, you know, just going down the list like that. <laughs> and even, like, our features, you know, same people. Wow. Small world, man. 
but he was like a, a turntablist, you know, like winning like DJ competitions and all that. And then in his later years now, you know, he's become more of a producer as as his focus. Okay. Um, the sound of the album is very different, but that's consistent with how you operate. How would you describe the sound of the moon? The sound of it, yeah. Uh, I th- I feel like it's, you know, it has an analog thing to it. Definitely that, uh, a lot of cut and paste. But I feel that, you know, it's really connecting to how we get information right now. You know, how like you get this long thing and then you get a super short thing. Then you get a couple more short things. Then you get another long thing. It's just, you know, pretty sporadic how information comes now. And, you know, when news breaks and, you know, when people drop albums and all that. So I, I really feel like the album is like how conversations are now, where it could be one word or it could be a paragraph. Mm. Wow. That's so true, man. Um, where do you think um, that switch up in albums came or why? Uh, you know, everything, you know, I feel naturally progress and then also the waves you know, of how things go up and go down. But I, I I just assume, you know, it's just the time for it to be this way. And also so many people make music, you know, in this point that you know of, you know, because, you know, a lot of people say people don't make music like they make music now, but people always been making a lot of music. It's just your access to know it exists was way different, you know? Yeah. Because, I mean, when you talk to anybody from like the 60s and 70s, all of them were in some type of band or group or singing quartet, et cetera. But, you know, they weren't privy to have YouTube and, you know, all of that stuff. So, you know, that they exist. It's kind of like if they didn't blow up, that was it. Right. That's true. Um, The opening track is about graffiti art and it's called 4 a.m. Burners. Um. I knew you were an artist from the clothing line and the cover art that you've done, but I didn't know you were tagging trains. Um, did your life in hip hop begin with artistry or emceeing? That, that boy bigger than a builder, so hands go through the ceiling, growing on the ledge like penicillin, each well sort of cure. Now I'm here to record, don't fight that feeling when I'm feeling the void. This Australia meets Illinois, heard the beat, now I'm on seeking destroy. Build like the fellas with whom I grew, standing outside, heralds tagging the avenue. Deodorus thinkers took a tag in the groove, never thought I'd see it with my demon the crew. And I'm on a pier splashing every time you see him, I only see don't join them, just beat them unless they air like like identical twins. I'm the same description as the brother that wins. Gotta shake my hand, they got no arms to defend. Cause my features like North Korea, but a little darker. Maceo Parker, band leader from the clothes to the features. The root of all evil illusion to the people. Wake up, cause I'm almost done. Gotta make it home before the rise of the sun. Uh, no, it was definitely the art, man, like graffiti in the sense of, you know, what hip hop is and, you know, pieces of hip hop. It was definitely graffiti was my start. I was always interested in it. 
And then my neighborhood of Inglewood in Chicago, you know, it's guys like Crazy Man, GBC, who would have like all these cool like throw ups and burners on the side of buildings, you know, and I would ride the train just so I could see the graffiti. And, you know, as a teen, well, not really a teen, like as like, you know, like my late, like 10, 9, you know, 11, around those those years, the train, certain stations would just be dead at a certain time. And then it was like A and B trains, you know, so some days the train could take you all around Chicago, other days just to, you know, one specific part of Chicago. So it was just so much going on in that sense. And a lot of the graffiti laws were really built from Chicago because, you know, we were the first to ban spray paint because they had gotten so bad in in, in their eyes of, you know, people just, you know, attacking property because we had like this orange line train here and it was a new line they had just built to go to the west to Midway Airport. And literally every station got demolished by like graffiti writers. But that's really how, you know, I even got into rapping. It was just more so I had this angst in doing graffiti because graffiti is very like, see me, hear me, feel me. So battle rapping, you know, for me and freestyling were those same kind of things of see me, hear me, you know. (laughs) But I went to art school and, you know, did like, uh, graffiti and movies and, you know, all that kind of stuff. The see me, hear me part intrigues me, man. Um, what what does that stem from? Is that um, a family thing? Is that not being seen and heard at home? What, 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 what would you say that stemmed from? Uh, I would say, you know, more socially. You know, at home, I mean, my mom, she was like an artist, a painter, a curator. My dad, he was, um, you know, a radio host and he was a speech writer and then later like worked at the University of Chicago. I mean, University of Illinois, Chicago. So, I mean, you know, they were pulling me to all types of stuff, you know, and, you know, letting people see me. But more so in hip hop, you know, in Chicago, you know, it was no handouts. You had to definitely claim whatever spot you're trying to get because there's only a few spots. You know, we're talking where just Twister and Common are the people. And I mean, they're not even the people yet. They're becoming the people. Word. Word. Um, You, that's a a very interesting uh, point because, um, on the song Penny Candy, you have a line that says one of the best to ever put bars together from the Midwest. And it made me think about all the MCs from the Midwest and specifically Chicago. Um, you've been a fixture in the scene. Do you feel like you get the props you deserve for your contributions to Chicago hip hop? In a day, and I'm up here for like minutes when you spend your days winning, like an old Jamaica poster and side days swimming. Vision it or vision one of the best ever to put bars together from the Midwest. Leaders' mindset for nothing I ever stress. Feel like it's for me, Atlantis more set. Ironic, iconic, who's talking? I'm steering the car, who's walking? Control bars, 
Just like bouncers and the crowd goes wild Scissor now Jelly beans and gumdrops Some little skull candy like headphones my bro got So just enjoy as the record revolves And me, K21, get involved Sometimes I do, you know, I think it's a more difficult thing because I, I think for the way I've approached it, it's going to be more one of those things, you know, after I'm done, you know, where you see all these things that I contributed and then you're like, oh, wow. You know, you start to connect them in that way. Because uh, like, I mean, I, I'm taking like this um, portfolio class right now. And in there, you know, we had to like do like, uh, you know, a presentation of your artist practice. And, you know, I put together my joint and everybody had to do like 30 minutes. And the people just like, how did you do all that stuff? You know, but from my perspective, you know, I, that's the only way I know how to do it. So, it's you know, I, I really feel it's going to be one of those things of looking at all the things that I've done together. And then you're like, ah, I get it. I get it. I get it. Because, I mean, to me, even what my word play it's often you can miss it because the way I'm trying to do it is so in it. You know, I'm not trying to make everything stick out. You said that about your wordplay. Um, is that like a microcosm of your career? Like you're not trying to make everything stick out? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, for me, it's very calculated. And then also, too, in all things that I'm doing, you know, creating, I'm thinking about how does this sit with it? You know, sometimes you don't need to overtake the beat for it to be a great song. Other times you have to overtake the beat because the beat's terrible, but your voice will make it great, you know? So, I mean, for me, it's all about complementary, you know, things blending well together. So it's solid. I mean, when I was doing the gents, that was like with uh, West Restless and Legit, that was a big thing. You know, they are like, man, you're just going to just say that and that's the end and we just do the rest i'm like that's all it needs you guys you know you guys murdered it hmm. do you ever second guess that approach do you ever second guess do you ever write a rhyme and go well this needs more uh on occasion yeah i mean it just really depends on what i was going for you know like for instance like when i did that highly irregular album that I wanted to be more of a long-term process. So everything was always up for scrutiny and looking at it and being like, yeah, nay, yay, you know, but with the moon, it was just all kind of in the moment, you know, cause I was working on like an album for <clears throat> Vadim with a uh, fat Freddy's drop from New Zealand. We were just finishing that up and I was working with Brian Ford on like a, a new record as well. So this was kind of like a third, tear and the things that I was doing so I could be, you know, just loose because I was just like, ah, this is, you know, we got to knock this out. And the way the beats, you know, that was the thing that really drew me to, you know, Inkswell, his beats all jump started me. As soon as I heard it, I was, I'm ready to go, you know, kind of like a cypher and you have that rhythm going and then you're next up to spit and you're just, ah, you let, you know, you, you connect to what everybody else is saying. Mm. But it's always a goal, you know, when I'm writing. So, you know, if I don't feel I reached the goal, then I have to, you know, look at it more. 
What was the process like with you and Inkswell being in two different continents recording the album? I think the hardest part probably was feedback and then, you know, communication. Because, you know, some things get lost in email. Some things get lost in Facebook Messenger. And then, you know, the turnaround time, you know, because he could send me a beat, but I'm not going to get it for like, you know, maybe 12 to 24 hours, depending on my day and his day and, you know, internet connection, et cetera. And then, you know, the language, you know, even though, you know, they still speak, you know, English in Australia, certain things we say here, they don't say there and vice versa. And then I guess working with the features, you know, like to, to make it work because everybody's got different accents and, you know, all of that. But for the most part, it was pretty, pretty easy going. I mean, everybody we wanted on the album jumped to it. You know, it was really no nobody holding back. And a lot of the sessions, you know, that we were able to do, you know, together with people, you know, went super quick. Like Lyft, I mean, that was like maybe two hours, if that. And everybody wrote on the spot. So how long did it take to complete the entire album? Uh, the album was probably yeah, maybe eight months. Okay. That's not bad. Not bad at all. Yeah, I mean, if we were on it every day, I'm sure it went, you know, way quicker. But again, with the emailing back and forth and that kind of thing, I mean, the mixing probably took the longest, you know, and working it out with the label because we were going to go with this other label in uh, London and then randomly uh, Sonar Collective just hit us about the blue, like, hey, man, we've been playing this in the office for the last few months. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like you could have hit us up back then. <laughs> Because, you know, we were ready to go with this other. This, it was like a PR company that was uh, going to start a label just because they really believed in what we were doing. Oh, wow. That's cool. Um, My favorite song on the album is The Resin. The beat is just crazy. Um, What were you thinking when you first heard that beat? B4, you got audacity in here, right? Chicago. Ha. One time for the old friends, twice for the new fans, seven for the family, breaking chains of calamity, rooting, tooting, Sam, Yosemite, why gain the world to lose, your sanity, my money stay up, hype my bang bang, gravity, I see world like Florida, kissing me, with my wife kissing me, my little club sees things that I dream, become reality, to be presence is presence, sometimes hindered by the resin, I send postcards when I miss mama's dressing, my whole crew bold Guard your balls if you're talking and arresting. <laughs> Pardon indigestion from the media painting my complexion is the wrong section. We hold these truths to be self-evident and maneuver like it didn't take 44 for me to be president. Inkswell beats I'm the artist in residence. It's PA. Yeah, that's, that's definitely my favorite right there. Yeah, uh, I was just thinking about just where I was at in life, you know, 
and, you know, what I was seeing on the news and just the state of America and, you know, looking at my son and just how I'm imagining he perceives what I'm doing, you know. I kind of looked at it like a family portrait, you know, like you see the picture and you're like, yeah, that's that's us. That's, that's where we're at. Wow. That's dope, man. Um, your son, like how has fatherhood changed Pugs Adams as an MC and a businessman? Uh, I think like uh, it pushed me, you know, more as a businessman. In the sense, you know, like uh, started a store and, you know, maintained that thing and just really trying to maximize my time. I think that's probably the biggest one, you know, whereas before you could kind of hang out loosely without, you know, somebody that you have to, you know, make sure is OK. And also, you know, in a sense, it needs to see you, you know, so that kind of changed my touring in that sense, because I wanted to be here while he was little. I didn't really want to, you know, be checking in. And, you know, he's growing and it was like, oh, man, you're six. You know, that kind of thing. It it definitely kind of grounded me. Wow. Okay. All right. Last question, man. Um, What's next up for Pugs Adams? Uh, Well, I recently uh, released a short short animated film for the song Lost from that highly uh, regular album. And it's like a expanded uh, production of it. And it kind of talks about, you know, the current state of, you know, police harassment, brutality on black males and just, you know, pushing my artistic side more because in a lot of my music videos, I have animated, you know, pieces, but to do like a full out thing. So it's a lot of festivals that are interested in it. So right now just saying which ones, you know, green lighted and that kind of thing. And then um, I started, co-started an organization here called the Ingwa's Artist Collective. And we have a bunch of uh, different things we're doing with the city in and out of um, Inglewood's neighborhood here to beautify the neighborhood and also, you know, teaching arts and giving supplies. Like uh, I just did this initiative where we gave um, different upcoming artists, you know, micro grants in this, you know, in these, these hard times to try to keep them in their practice and not having, you know, to, to just focus on the money. So that was really cool, man. I mean, we were able to hook up like, I think like 61 artists, you know, with a little dough to, to keep them in the mix. And, um, I got a, a EP with Brian Ford. That's about to come out probably later in the summer. And we got a couple of really good remixes on there and some, some more videos and all of that. Dope. You're staying busy as always. Yeah, I, I really don't know how not to. <laughs> <laughs> it just always falls in the lap and it's like, let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Larry. All right. Pugs Adams. Thank you for joining the realhiphop.com podcast. Yeah, no problem. Everybody go to Bandcamp and get the moon. Go to Spotify, play the moon, tell a friend, send it to a friend, get the vinyl. And the vinyl actually has a, a extra song that's not on like the digital version with Georgia and Muldrow and Blue called Origami Dollars. Hard record, super hard. All right, All right man. Thank you once again. Peace. The real, hip hop. MCing and DJing from your own mind, you know, you know.
I just right now we should start the show. Yeah. 